Yes, here we go. We're back with the latest installment of our little digital movie show. We've seen that. He is the famous Jay in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. I'm TJ Reeves in West Central Florida. We are We've Seen That on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Oh, and what's that I, I hear in the background? I think this may very well be a giveaway as to what our subject is about to be. Spring is in the air. It's about to be summertime. And it's time to talk some golf and have some uh, fun with what is arguably the funniest, most humorous, iconic golf movie of the last 30 or 40 years. Time to talk us some Caddyshack. Partner, how are you? Doing well. You know, we've talked about doing this movie almost from day one of doing this show. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, both of us are sports guys. And we're like, oh, let's, let's do something a little different. Let's kind of sway away from sports for a minute. We always keep coming back. We need to do Caddyshack. We need to do Caddyshack. And this is the perfect timing because as we are recording it, you know, over there in Florida where you live, we have the Players' Championship going on. And here in Dallas-Fort Worth where I live, the next two weeks we have the Byron Nelson Colonial. So it's just golf central for both of us right now. So let's talk Caddyshack. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so this proves to our audience how ADD both Jay and I are, that we've been intending to do Caddyshack. And it ends up being, what is this, our 17th, 18th, 29th, 57th podcast. And we finally get around to it. We finally remember between the two of us, hey, we should do Caddyshack. It's good. It's let's good get, that we finally did. Yeah, let's get to it. Welcome to the Bushwood Country Club. The membership's exclusive. You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? The help is outrageous. What? The madness is contagious. Bad language, fooling around on the course, poor caddying. But this whole place... Caddyshack. Starring Chevy Chase as Ty Webb. Who is that disgusting man over there? A sportsman who really knows how to score. So what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, neck of the wave? How come you're here? Rodney Dangerfield as Al Servant, a big shot. My dinghy's bigger than your whole boat! With an even bigger mouth. <laughs> hey, somebody step on a duck. <laughs> Ted Knight as Judge Smales, a man of dignity. And a sense of fair play. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, a caddy who wants an education and gets one. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. Cindy Morgan as Lacey Underall. She's got a bad reputation, and she's working hard to keep it. You want to tie me up with some of your ties? And Bill Murray as Carl Spackler. Uh, just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything, nothing to be worried about. He's not crazy about gophers, <laughs> but he is crazy. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. And introducing Mr. Gopher as himself. I said freeze, gopher! Caddyshack. It's all about swinging. Kiss me, you fool. But not on the course. Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? Ah! Playing a good game. That's all he got out of that one. And talking a better one. Hey, I should have stayed home and played with myself. Taking shots. Ah! That was a bum shot. And making time. We couldn't possibly think less of each other. Controlling your drives. Wow! And losing your grip. Ah! It is! You! Out! Four. The man's a menace! Caddyshack. The comedy with... There you have it, Caddyshack. It was released July 25th, 1980. <laughs> How long oh. ago does that sound? Oh. It is rated R. Has a running time of a one hour and thirty nine minutes. It's got an amazing, iconic cast. Let's just, you know, let, let's get right to it. We've got Chevy Chase. We've got Bill Murray. We got Rodney Dangerfield. Heard of all of them? Ted Knight, yep, yep. Michael O'Keefe. Don't forget the great Cindy Morgan playing Lacey Underall. Do you have a favorite character or one of the? Oh, we'll stars get into that a little bit later on in the show. But keep going with your roll call. Who else is there? That's that's pretty much that's that's going to knock most of it out. 
Well, you got well, you got Brian Doyle Murray, the brother the brother of Bill Murray, who's we, one of the we writers. We do have Brian Doyle Murray, who I was going to mention is one of the writers of the movie. That's right, right. And also appears in the movie as Lou Loomis, who is the caddy master. How about that? So, and 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 look, you've got big time comedies that had come around around this time frame, and Harold Ramis is behind the camera directing this. Although we saw him in front of the camera. In Stripes with Bill Murray, later in, in front of the camera with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters. So you're right about a who's who that's putting this this comedy together, Jay. Right. And I mean, and my, my point of asking you who your favorite character was is I really don't have one. I like them all. They, they all kind of fit in the movie because they're all so different. I think you know, later you, in this podcast, the other. I may pin you down on a favorite because I'm going to make Uh-oh. an argument for my favorite. So they're going to have to stay tuned a little bit later on in the podcast because we, we might have the same. We might agree. And then again, uh, we might disagree on on who stands out the most and why. And by the way, we should make mention we've got a special guest who's going to be joining us in just a few minutes to talk Caddyshack with us. And there's a good reason why this guest is with us. You want to go ahead and enlighten our audience here as to who the guest is and why we have him on? Well, this is really cool for us to, to even get to have our guest today. It's the Entertainment Weekly movie critic Chris Nashawati. And he's written a book about the behind the scenes of the making of Caddyshack. Love it. And and we and we were fortunate enough to get to have him come on as as we we are uh, taping this show. The book came out last week, so it's it's a big hit with movie fans, with sports fans, and I can't wait to get to talk to him. I just want to know: Did you have to do some special pleading with Chris Nashawati? Did you have to bribe him? Did you have to promise him? like some memorabilia from Caddyshack, which exists, which is out there? I mean, how exactly did you get this done? That's a big-time get, partner. I'm giving you a one-person standing O right now on the podcast for being able to get the film critic from Entertainment Weekly who's written the book. Well, I like to take people, you know, our listeners like to take them kind of behind the scenes a little bit. I reached out to him, and when I told him I was doing the show with you, he was in. Oh, please. Good (laughs) gracious. Uh, All right, so Chris Nashawati is coming up to talk to us more about writing the book and the making of the movie. Well, the first thing you said, 1980. I I cannot believe that, and I want to talk to Chris about how this one is hung in there uh, for for this long and get his feelings on that here in, in a little bit. And look, uh, with the understanding, we're, we're going to cover some subjects here. This is not necessarily a family movie or a kid's movie, but it is in the genre again of Animal House, the Blues Brothers, early 1980s, late 70s, early 1980s comedies that that really clicked. They are raunchy in some regards. Uh, they, have, they have profanity in them, etc., and this, this truly is something about the outsiders invading the stuffy, upper-class, upper-crusty, and even almost elderly demographic that are country clubs. That's what this movie, it was about almost like an assault on the established, here's what a country club is. That's what this movie is about and why the comedy, I think, works. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And the funny thing is, you know, we look at this as just this iconic huge hit and i'm going to ask chris actually about this but when it was released in 1980 it was only number 17 for the year it made 39 million dollars wow the number one movie in 1980 do you care to guess what it was 1980 i'm thinking around that time is dustin hoffman meryl streep kramer versus kramer am i in the right year i'm in the right time that, period am that I would right? be the year before the number ah. one movie in 1980 is Way, way, way bigger than everything else that year was The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, boom. Yeah, it, it Star Wars. It grossed 209 million. Number two when, was 9 to 5 at 103 million. Oh, 9 so to it, 5. So it more than doubled number two. How about that? Well, so, so yeah, when in doubt, always default in the 70s and the 80s on something having to do with Rocky or Star Wars doing well at the box office, it seems like, uh, to help you out with that. But, yeah, but Caddyshack still... Uh, th- that's respectable. It's not like Caddyshack made five million at the box office. No, and part it did, of that, yeah, it did it, well, and with adjusted for inflation, it would be around one hundred and thirty million. Right, now. So right. It's not like it was any kind of box office failure. It's just you know I think of it in the same terms as like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars because it's a movie that I quote all the time with my friends. Not even thinking about it, not you know acting like it's almost forty years old or whatever. But like here's some of the other movies that finished ahead of it: Stir Crazy, Airplane. Smoking the Bandit 2, which we can agree Caddyshack is better than. The Blue Lagoon, you remember that one? Uh, yes, Christopher Atkins and a whole Here's lot the, of Brooke the, Shields, yeah. Right, the Blues Brothers. We had Ordinary People, Timothy Hutton, Donald Sutherland, 
and Mary Tyler Moore. We had Urban Cowboy. Remember that one? Yes, Travolta. Was that? Wait, wait, wait. Chevy Urban Chase Cowboy, Go- Travolta, Urban Cowboy, also Robert Redford. I can't remember. I haven't seen it in no, so Urban, long. Urban Cowboys, Travolta, and Deborah Winger. Robert gotcha. Redford was Electric Horseman. Okay, see, I was um, clo- I was close. I was close with the cowboy genre. Continue. We have The Shining with Jack Nicholson was number 14. Remember, yes. you're Johnny. Yes. We also have Seems Like Old Times, another Chevy Chase movie. We finished 15th just ahead. And Caddyshack was sandwiched by Cheech and Chong's next movie and Friday the 13th, the oh original. Oh, my God. So, All right, so we are going... Take, take you back a little bit there. We are going way back. I didn't mean to sidetrack you before we get to Chris Nashawati. Give the general plot. I, we get the impression that most of the people that are listening have seen the movie. In this case, it's almost 40 years ago. Have seen the movie and understand the plot. But for those that don't, give them the short synopsis. I kind of alluded to it, but give them the short synopsis here. Well, since I've read the book, I, I know that there's about five different versions of the script, and so there's not really an easy way to tell the plot. It kind of just basically revolves around the comings and goings of Bushwood with the caddy, Danny Noonan, Judge Smells, one of the founding members, Ty Webb, who apparently doesn't even keep score when he plays, but he's one of the best golfers. You also have Carl Spackler, who is the one of the greenskeepers, and then you have Rodney Dangerfield's character who is coming in looking to potentially buy Bushwood so that he can <laughs> develop it into condos. And the funny thing is, you know, a lot of times IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, is kind of like our little Bible here. Right. And a lot of times we read stuff on here and just assume it's true. But the description that they gave it, it says, an exclusive golf course has to deal with a brash new member and a destructive dancing gopher. <laughs> so wait, if you read wait, that, it might sound like that, the worst movie ever. That's it? That's the extent yeah. of the description? Yeah. So lame. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's lame. It's one of those where, you know, it's one of those, I think a lot of people just know what it is and it's probably just you know, kind of slapped up there. But I th- how about without further ado, let's uh, let's go call Chris. Yeah, let's get our guest on here as part of We've Seen That. This is really a treat for us. We have the film critic at Entertainment Weekly. He's also the host of SiriusXM's EW radio channel, and he is the author of a new book, Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. We have Chris Nashawati. Chris, hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. So let's just dive right in. Caddyshack is one of our favorite movies. Both of us, we play golf a lot. We love the game of golf, and so anyone who plays golf can pretty much quote Caddyshack at will. But um, I was reading through your book, and I found out a lot of stuff that I didn't know about the movie. And I'm, I'm going to kind of just dive right in on this one. So tell me, how did the movie kind of come about? I, in the book, it starts out with, it's kind of um, from Animal House. It kind of split up, and some of them went to make Blues Brothers, and some went to make Caddyshack. Kind of tell me a little bit about that. Sure, yeah, absolutely, and that's exactly right. Yeah, after... Um Animal House came out uh, and became the highest grossing movie comedy of all time. Uh, Everyone wanted to get into business with the guys behind that movie. Now, the guys behind that movie um, were the the writers, and so that included Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny. And Doug Kenny was a longtime editor at the National Lampoon. He was one of the, uh, the founders of it which was a really hot satire magazine in the 70s, sort of a cross between Mad Magazine and, and The New Yorker, if you can imagine that. And, uh, and Harold Ramis was, you know, he came out of Second City. He was a really strong improviser, but uh, also a really great writer, and he wanted to direct. So uh, as half the group went over to, to do the Blues Brothers, Ramis and Kenny, uh, for their next movie, uh, pitched Caddyshack with a third writer named Brian Doyle Murray, who was the older brother of Bill Murray. Um, and, and Brian Doyle Murray uh, was also in Second City, and he and all the Murray boys had caddied his kids to uh, earn tuition money for Jesuit school. They were a working-class family with nine kids, and so he and Bill and, and, and all the other brothers, they would... Uh, you know, they start off as shag boys when they were like 10, and then they'd be, you know, caddying by the time they were like 12. Um, so they had all these crazy golf stories. So uh, they just channeled all of those into the script for Caddyshack. Now tell me this. We could have actually had a scenario where Michelle Pfeiffer played Lacey Underall? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, yeah, that is correct, yeah. One of the many close calls in casting on the film uh, you know, Cindy Morgan, the one who got the role, um, got the role because uh, she was willing to do the required nudity in the film, whereas <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer was not. Um, but that's hardly the only uh, weird, almost casting story in that film. Um, instead of Rodney Dangerfield, they were really thinking about Don Rickles, um, which would have been still good, but just a little bit of a different movie. And uh, for Michael O'Keefe's character, the Danny Noonan character, they were 
really, really close to uh, to going with Mickey Rourke, which I can't even imagine wow. would be a comedy at all. No. That would have changed history, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Likely would have. Hey, on the Rodney Dangerfield point, and and, and look, uh, you don't know this about me and about us, but I, I quote this movie in my daily life and have probably for 30 plus years. Um, so I've seen the, the DVD extras. I've done a lot of reading on this. I'm looking forward to reading more in your book as well. But on the Dangerfield point, he came out of stand-up comedy in comedy clubs. And in the DVD extras, they talk about when he did the first scene, the scene where Al Chervik, his character, the gregarious uh, you know, business tycoon who comes in to play golf at Bushwood, that that was the first movie scene he had ever done. And he was really nervous, and the other actors are talking about this, that he thought he was bombing the, the comedy term for not getting any laughs because no one was laughing, and then they had to explain to him this is different in the movies. I wonder when you hear that story, what do you think about you know with Rodney Dangerfield and this being his first appearance on film and being part of Caddyshack? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Comedians are so, you know, we think of them as these people who get up on stage and are fearless. But I, I think, like, as a breed, comedians are pretty insecure people, you know, and they need... They need to hear those laughs to know they're on the right track. Uh, Rodney, it wasn't his first movie. He had a bit part in a, in a movie a decade earlier that no one ever saw. Um, uh, but he had no idea what making a movie was all about. He was totally green. In fact, when they called action, like he didn't even know what that meant. They had to say, Rodney, do your bit and every time he started a scene. And so... Um, so yeah, so he was, you know, in that first scene where he comes into the, the pro shop and he has the whole thing about the ugly hat, you know, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup, that whole thing, um, which he ad-libbed, by the way. Uh, he, he just, no one was laughing and he was freaking out. You can imagine him like sweating and tugging at his collar and being like, I'm bombing out here. And they had to reassure him and talk him off the ledge. Uh, and say, like, no, it's just that we can't laugh. If we laugh, we're going to ruin the take. So uh, you're doing fine. You're doing great, actually. Just just be you. But um, he just was, was a pretty tense dude. And you, we were talking earlier about how things could have been different if Mickey Rourke played Danny Noonan. But apparently there was two or three or four versions where Carl Spackler wasn't even in it. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, the Carl Spackler character that Bill Murray plays, that was a really late addition to the script. Um, you know, the first few drafts didn't even include Carl Spackler. Uh, the whole idea of, like, this demented assistant greenskeeper chasing this gopher <laughs> we really came along late in the game. And, um, you know, the, it, even once they did decide to have this character in the movie, they didn't write any lines in the script for the character because they knew that Bill Murray was such a great improviser that he would be able to come up with stuff off the top of his head that was a million times better than anything they could write. So, uh, you know, like, for example, the Cinderella story speech, um, you know, arguably the, the most famous scene in the movie, um, Bill Murray just made that all up off the top <laughs> of his head, and that's done in one take. Well, and another now, speaking one... of Bill Murray, I, I have a quick question on Bill Murray. You actually were able to get a hold of him to interview him for this book? Tell me how, how that happened. Yeah, I mean, Bill Murray is, is a, he's an elusive cat, no doubt about it. And uh, he doesn't have any of the usual sort of publicity machinery that most Hollywood actors have. You know, like he doesn't have an agent or a publicist that you can just call up or fax a request to and say like, hey, you know, I want to talk to your client. He doesn't have any of that stuff. He just sort of exists on his own plane, you know, off the grid a little bit and doesn't want to be reached. So what he does have is he has this 1-800 number. Um, and if you can get a hold of the 1-800 number, I was able to through a, a mutual friend uh, who kind of knows Bill Murray a little bit. I called the 1-800 number. There's no outgoing message, by the way. It's just a beep and followed by silence, and you have to come up with some sort of thing. And I, I left a message, you know, it took a variety of different approaches, but I left a message every day for about a month. And, um, and finally, you know, uh, a while later, he called pretty late at night. You know, it just said South Carolina on my phone when it was ringing. And I was like, ah, I could be. So I picked it up. And as soon as I did, you know, we all know that voice from a lifetime of watching movies. <laughs> and, and he was great. Like, he couldn't have been nicer. The key, is get the, the key is getting him. Once you get him, he's totally engaged and, and thoughtful and a really great interview. But he's like, it's like tracking down 
you know, Sasquatch to get him. Did he remember a lot of stuff in the movie like it was yesterday? He did. You know, it's funny because I think a lot of people would think, oh, Bill Murray doesn't want to talk about Caddyshack. You know, it's the silly movie, whatever. And, you know, but it's not. And it, it, he, it, it came really early in his career. And I think he, he's very aware that, you know, it was a really important film for his career. And I think the movie has a real sentimental value to him, a real, real, um, he's really emotionally connected to it because, you know, it, it was written by his older brother. It's sort of, there are a lot of autobiographical elements in it, you know, of, of the Murray family. And I know that, you know, Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny, the two other writers on the movie, those were guys who were just, you know, a few years older than him in the comedy scene. And when he was coming up, they were sort of his idols. So when he was on the set doing his scenes, he said that, you know, if I could make those guys laugh, I knew I was doing a good job. So he, I think he, it's funny to even think of Bill Murray caring what anyone thought, but it's, I think the movie, um, he's, he's connected to it deeper than we think. You're listening here to the voice of Chris Nashawati from Entertainment Weekly, their film critic. His new book is out, Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. At the time that we are taping this, the book has just come out in April of 2018. It is available bookstores, Amazon. Uh, you can get it on uh, the Kindle, on the Nook, electronically. Check it out, Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. I'm laughing on a couple of points because I do know this, that in the in the fame scene, or at least one of the scenes I consider the fame scene, where Ty Webb and Carl Spackler, which is Chevy Chase and Bill Murray from their old Saturday Night Live days, are in the garage together, the script only said Ty and Carl talk. The rest of that allegedly, Chris, and you can maybe add to it or subtract to it, is them. That's just them making up whatever that scene was, uh, including his own mixture of grass, Kentucky bluegrass, bent, and Northern California sesame. All of that is all just made up. No script. Yeah, you can, you can play 36 holes and then get high as the bejesus on it. It's, um, it's true. Uh, the, you know, that, that scene, uh, let me go back a little bit and tell you a, sort of a little backstory on that scene because it's so great. Um, you know, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase were not the best of friends when this movie was, was being made. Um, you know, Chevy Chase left Saturday Night Live after the first season. He, he was the breakout star on the show. And when he left the show to go have a movie career out in California, I think there were a lot of people left behind on the show who sort of felt that Chevy had gotten a swollen ego. And so Bill Murray was actually his replacement on Saturday Night Live. And when Chevy came back to guest host in 1978, Bill Murray, I sort of, as the new guy, sort of... Um, sticking up for his castmates, got into a fistfight with Chevy Chase backstage before <laughs> he went out to do his monologue. So these guys were not, they were not tight. They were not friends. There was a lot of tension between them by the time Caddyshack came around. And I think a lot of people on the set of Caddyshack, you know, once they had cast the movie, were like, you know, I have no idea how this is going to go once these two guys get here. Are they going to, are they going to, you know, pick it up in round two or are they going to get along? And so... You know, they, they, it didn't really matter because they, ha they didn't have any scenes together in, in the script of the movie. Um, but it was only when the studio saw how good Bill's scenes were and how good Chevy's scenes were that they said, hey, we really need a scene with these two guys together. So uh, Bill and Chevy and the three writers sat down, you know, after lunch one day and sort of hashed out an idea for a scene without coming up with any lines. And uh, later that night, they just shot it. And yeah, that's Bill and Chevy just totally <laughs> riffing. And if you look, if you go back and look at that scene now, you can see them uh, trying not to crack up at certain points. And um, both of them had said that that's, they were trying to make the other guy laugh. And, um, you know, and of course, yeah, it, ends, it ends, Chris, with him sticking the arm out, buddies for life, I think. And so it's kind of ironic yeah. that you're talking about it was a fist fight at one point, and then they're buddies for life in that scene. In Caddy's yeah, scene. There's, like a, there's like a whole level of subtext going on in that scene that, you know, if you didn't know, uh, you would, you'll now know that like, that scene was the, sort of the thing that thawed the ice between those two wow. guys. Hey, Chris, let me ask you this. Was there any partying that went on the set of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> there was more partying than there was actual movie making on this movie. Uh, it was Florida in 1979. So if you do the math there, it's pretty much the gateway into America for cocaine. Um, you know, everyone, or just about everyone, not Ted Knight, but everyone was, was getting pretty loaded uh, when the cameras weren't rolling. It was a sort of a three-month party in Florida. Um, and there's a lot of tales about drugs in the book. Uh, 
you know, uh, but just as a, as sort of a teaser, um, you know, the, the Doug Kenny, the producer on the movie, um, he was pretty into cocaine. And so, you know, I think it was Cindy Morgan who played Lacey Underall was talking about Doug Kenny running down the, the hall of the hotel one day saying, uh, the Eagle has landed, the Eagle has landed, the dealer's here. You know, they were all waiting for the dealer to come to the, uh, to the set to drop off the latest shipment of, of Coke. Um, you could say that it was sort of the drug that sort of fueled the, the making of the movie in a way. And uh, it's it's sort of, when you think about how much of the script they just threw into the trash and how much partying was going on, it's sort of shocking that a movie got made at all. Well, let me say this, you know, kind of these days, a lot of people talk about binge watching shows on Netflix or whatever. I basically binge read this book because I couldn't put it down. And there's one question I have that's, it's kind of, it's sort of early in the book where you talk about when Bill Murray was making where the Buffalo roam and he was hanging out in Aspen with Hunter S Thompson. Can you tell that story? Yeah, so, um, you know, Bill Murray uh, was one of his early movie roles. He was playing Hunter Thompson, and he was living with them to sort of, you know, get under his skin and sort of, you know, do a little bit of method acting, get into the the role of Hunter Thompson. So, um, you know, these are two pretty combustible dudes, uh, you know, sharing a roof. And um, they were having a good time as well out in Aspen, and apparently uh, they were got into some argument about who was the better escape artist. I don't know how that conversation comes up, but, you know, you can only imagine, you know, after a lot of drinks that, you know, sure, why not? Who's the better escape artist? So uh, they, um, Hunter tied Bill Murray to a chair and threw him into the pool. <laughs> and uh, I think Bill Murray almost drowned until Hunter Thompson at the last minute had to, like, jump in and save him. Um, just, you know, it's just a wild, it seems like just such a wild time, uh, you know, reporting this book. It's just so many crazy things that would just never happen today. You know, it just, movies are such a big uh, financial gamble that um, they would never allow you to be as irresponsible today as they as they did. <laughs> well, and it's a good it's a good point. Insurance plays a lot of roles, and you 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 would not be able to insure a lot of the actors and the behavior uh, that went on. That's a, that's another part of this. Few more moments left here. Chris Nashawati is great to share some of this with us from Entertainment Weekly. He's been their film critic for some twenty years. He's written a book about Caddyshack. Been wanting to ask you this question: the movie has sustained for thirty plus years going on almost 40 years now as i often joke with jay my god are we that old it is sustained this long why do you believe we are still laughing at caddyshack 35 or 40 years later that's a good question i don't know that i have a great answer for it other than the fact that it's just a really funny movie um you know it's it's they don't make movies like this anymore where it's like a combination of you know sort of lowbrow humor um super quotable lines scenes that are so like the baby root scene that is just like etched <laughs> into your brain um you know it's just it's really really funny on a on a silly level but it's also if you really sort of dig down a little bit it's it's also saying something about class you know slobs versus the snobs and you know you can read it that way if you want i just think it's also you know a small handful of amazing performers who couldn't have been more drift different all at the peak of their talent you know what i mean uh you know roddy dangerfield ted knight who frankly is the most underrated person in the cast uh and bill murray jeffrey chase ted knight roddy dangerfield these are like legends working at the top of their game now let me ask you this why would you pick caddyshack of all the great amazing movies that have been out is this one of your favorite movies or did you just hear a lot of stories what made you select that because obviously you had to spend a lot of time of your life to be this in depth on a movie like you did yeah i mean when people hear that you're a film critic they sort of ask you what your favorite movie is and i think they expect you to say something like citizen kane or vertigo or casablanca <laughs> and those are all great movies don't get me wrong but, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and so the movies that are the closest to my heart are movies like Caddyshack and Stripes and, you know, uh, Animal House and Vacation and, and just that those sort of movies. I just, I love them, and I've seen them over and over and over again. Um, you know, most making of movie stories are pretty, pretty bland, you know, but Caddyshack is the rare instance where the making of this movie story is almost... I would say even funnier and weirder and better than the movie itself. 
So that's, that's why it felt like it could be something bigger than just the usual sort of making of the movie story. And we want to give you the audience... Do you have audience... a follow-up in mind by chance? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Any suggestions? <laughs> oh, goodness. You, TJ, I'll throw that you in your just, direction. You just listed so many of them from the 80s, because again, you're right in our wheelhouse here on We've Seen That, where you've got Vacation. You mentioned the Blues Brothers earlier on, uh, and a lot of different movies in and around those Saturday Night Live actors, uh, you know, Ghostbusters that came after that, and, and uh, Harold Ramis yeah. is obviously in front of the camera in that one. So yeah, there's a lot of different ones that you could go for. You know, uh, I, I'm not going to tip this out of, the, out of the book. They need to get the book and read the book, but it's a, mov- it's a movie that Brian Doyle Doyle Murray, Harold Ramis and company had to lobby to get made. And you go into detail about that in the book, that this thing almost did not see the light of day, Caddyshack, if not for those guys going to bat for it and somebody at the studio going ahead and saying, okay, let's make the movie, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, you know, a golf movie is even as one that's so not about golf as Caddyshack. But, you know, I mean, if you're a, a, a bean counter at a movie studio, you know, you see the idea for a golf movie. That's not exactly, you know, getting you really excited. Golf movies are not huge money makers. They never have been, and they probably never will be. Um, so, yeah, these guys had an uphill battle all the way. What really helped them was, was Animal House, you know, right before it. You know, they, they sort of thought that these guys, as young and crazy as they were, um, and sort of impossible to wrangle as they were, and as into drugs as they were, uh, they had a proven track record. So why not take a, a small gamble on them and see what they come up with? So, um, you know, it just so happened that Caddyshack, which, by the way, when it came out, was not well-reviewed at all. The critics hated it. Uh, it just so happens that it's a movie that stuck around so much longer than anyone expected. Did anyone give you any insight on why Caddyshack 2 was such a colossal failure, other than it just wasn't entertaining? I mean, was there some behind-the-scenes stuff with that? Wait, wait, wait. Other than the fact that it should have never been made? But go ahead, Chris, with your answer. I I would argue that Caddyshack 2 is probably the worst movie sequel of all time. And I might agree with you, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely the steepest come-down from from the first movie to the second, uh, no doubt about that. You know, Caddyshack 2, they just... It's, it, a lot of the people who were involved in Caddyshack 1 didn't have anything to do with it. You know, you've got Jackie Mason instead of Rodney Dangerfield, which right there sort of, you know, you're oh. shooting yourself in the foot. And, um, you know, it was obviously they were doing it just to, to make money and cash in on the first one. And, and I think when you're that sort of craven about it, people can smell that. Yeah, good for the public on that one. By the way, as a guy who's talking to you <laughs> from an office that has one of those electronic gophers that you push the button on and it plays the Kenny Loggins song, I'm All Right, which I do have that in my office, <laughs> nice. that, has, that nice. has been to the Bill Murray Caddyshack Sports Bar that is in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, in St. Augustine Beach, uh, Florida, actually, uh, and has gotten memorabilia out of that. And remember now, you were telling us uh, this earlier in the program, Bill Murray and his brothers so embraced this movie, they bought all the merchandise, all the naming rights to Caddyshack, they own all of that, and they have merchandise everywhere uh, i even have caddyshack boxer shorts <laughs> there's tmi too much information from that store that's the kind of stuff that they merchandise and sell now off this movie it's incredible 35 or 40 years I later your, i respect your commitment there that's, you go that's, that's a, very committed there's a lot else on that all right jay anything else here for chris nashawati about this uh, book caddyshack the making of a hollywood cinderella story yeah, I'd kind of leave. I'd like to leave you with this. There's a. I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and Dallas Morning News is one of the newspapers here that I write for. Chris Wagner, the culture critic, he did a story on the book, and this is kind of how he opened it up. He said, "The book was better. We've all uttered some variation on this theme, driven by disappointment that the story on the screen doesn't match up with mental images conjured up by a favorite tome." Well, here's another variation. The book about the movie is better than the movie, and I'd like to co-sign that. I love this book. I wow. highly recommend everyone get out and, and read it, and they will love it. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. That's really a, that's a pretty great compliment. Love it. Again, read this guy in Entertainment Weekly and online for Entertainment Weekly as the film critic. You can, can follow him. follow you on Twitter? Follow you, you on Twitter. Twitter. Well, how, do they, how do they follow you? Yeah, it's just at Chris Nashawati. All right, so check him out there on social media. It's Flatiron Books. It is out in bookstores everywhere at the time that we're talking, and you can find it on Amazon, etc. Go grab Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Story. Cinderella Story! Uh, it's a tremendous Cinderella Story. Chris, thank you, buddy. Thank you so much, guys. It's been fun. Thanks, Chris. How much fun was that? That might be one of the best guests we've had on our show so far. Again, I am. you can't see me to the audience, but I am bowing to Jay. I'm bowing as we speak that you were able to get him 
on the program. And uh, I'm eager to read the book and read more about the making of the movie and how it came about. You know, one thing we talked about with him that I don't think can be emphasized enough is that Brian Doyle Murray and uh, it's Doug Kenny, right, and Harold Ramis, they really had to lobby to get the studio to, to convince them to make this movie or it might not have seen the light of day. Jay, what about that? Yeah, it's it's crazy looking back on it because kind of we were talking before we had Chris on. It's one of those movies that you and I just think of as this iconic classic, but there was a lot that went into getting this movie even made. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, I, I thought it was great. I had never heard before, and even though I was kind of bragging about knowing about the DVD extras, et cetera, and having seen this movie easily uh, 75 times and maybe closer to 150 times, I never knew that Brian Doyle Murray in the original writings of the movie didn't have a character, Carl, and he wrote the character Carl for his brother to get his brother in the movie. That's a tremendous story. No, it's, it's pretty cool, too. And there's just there's so much I, I don't want to like get too much into because I want to give me stuff away because I want people to enjoy this book as much as I did. But one thing I actually do want to say is I kind of dropped the ball when we were interviewing him. I had asked him if there was another movie he might delve into, and he countered with, do I have any suggestions? And I kind of think that some that would be fun for me would be if he did maybe Die Hard. Right. You know, because there was a lot of stuff that went on with the making of Die Hard. Maybe Smokey and the Bandit, the original with Burt Reynolds. And another one is a little more recent, a little out of our uh, demo, but uh, 54 with Ryan Felipe and Nev Campbell. Because if you read about that, that's essentially two different movies from the movie they made and then the movie ended up getting released. Interesting. So there's a couple. So for Mr. Nashawati, when he listens back to this, that there's a couple suggestions you, well, you may and I'll throw take one it with a grain there. of salt or not. You know, look, at some point, you and I are going to get to a Christmas story with Darren McGavin, Peter Billingsley and company. It is my favorite movie by far when we're talking Christmas movies. And that is another one that was a book. It was a Gene Shepard book. And Gene Shepard is not only the screenwriter for it, but he is also um, the narrator in the movie. And that movie also almost didn't get made. That's a great, I mean, that's a great story too, where Darren McGavin and the director, Bob Clark, the late Darren McGavin, the late Bob Clark, they both now passed away, convinced the studio, you should make this movie and when I think humorous Christmas movies, this is the number one movie that I think of. I know there are other humorous ones like Christmas Vacation and some other ones. And my point is the making of that and how it came about would be great to great to read more detail of because it almost didn't happen. That's why we love books like what Chris Nashawati has. No, I, I totally agree. And there's we could probably go through a laundry list of them. You know, and I'm assuming it probably took him you know, a couple of years of his life to do all the research he did for this. But it, it's one of those books where once you finish reading it, you'll be happy you did. I thought uh, it was also interesting in talking with Chris. I had not heard that before when you were bringing up about Michelle Pfeiffer, that basically Cindy Morgan got the part in part uh, because she was willing to go nude in this movie. And it was a nude rated R comedy and she was looking for a career break and Hey, I'm willing to take my clothes off and, and be part of this, and it's it's again a different a different time. The raunchy rated R bachelor party. You mentioned Stir Crazy, Richard Pryor, those kind of movies that was prevalent back in the late seventies and the early eighties. Uh, pretty impressive. All right, so let's get back. Well, to hey, s- hang on, yeah, one ahead. more thing. Yep, Think about ahead. this. Speaking of that, we learned that this movie could have had Mickey Rourke and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh my! How God. different would that have been? Without would have been. Noon and can I just <laughs> can I just put it out there that it would have been awful. It would have been. I mean, it's almost like Caddyshack too. When I'm hearing that, when I heard Chris say that, and we were talking about that, you know, uh, Mickey Rourke's a pretty good actor. I mean, obviously no. he's an amazing performer later on in his career, but it's hard to imagine him playing that part because you know Danny Noonan. When whenever you're playing golf with your buddies and someone goes Noonan, you know when you're trying to putt. It'd be hard to imagine Mickey Rourke standing That's right. in the putt. You know? Well, and we talked about this before. Another plug here on We've Seen That, that in our uh, in our Hoosiers uh, 30-year anniversary one, we made mention that Jack Nicholson was uh, originally being talked about as the possible coach Norman Dale. Now, now that we saw Gene Hackman play the role, he is coach Norman Dale. I can't envision anybody else being coach Norman Dale uh, in the basketball movie Hoosiers. I can't envision... Somebody else besides Michael O'Keefe being Danny Noonan. Miss it, well, Noonan. we talked, too, about how Noonan. different our world would Miss be it, with Noonan. a different yeah. Danny Noonan. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, and that's 100%. I mean, one, one thing else I'd like to kind of throw in, you know, John Peters was the producer of this movie. 
And he went on to partner with Peter Guber later on. Peter Guber is now a co-owner of the Golden State Warriors for our sports fans uh, out there. Yeah. And without John Peters and Peter Guber, like here's some of the movies they gave us. Uh, they gave us Flashdance, uh, Vision Quest, mm-hmm. Young Blood starring Rob Lowe, mm-hmm. which is an Eastwick, unfortunately Caddyshack too. We also Rain Man, Batman, Tango and Cash. Some of these huge movies they gave us. Unfortunately, we also got The Bonfire of the Vanities and <laughs> Wild Wild West starring Will Smith. So there's, oh my there's God. been a couple of hits and misses on John Peter's part, but think of the movie genre, how different it'd be without him. Love it. Um, all right, so I want to go back to something that we talked about earlier in the podcast, and that's favorite characters. Now, you said you want the, you want the full buffet. You want all of them. But if I had to pin you down, who is the first character you think of when you think of Caddyshack? Let me put it that way. When you think of Caddyshack, who comes to mind immediately? Because I've got an answer to that. Oh, gosh. It's it's literally going to be between Rodney Dangerfield and Bill Murray. There you go. In, and it's it's hard. I mean, if you had to, to take it down to those two, because Chevy Chase's character is funny because it's Chevy Chase. Right. But those other characters are awesome. I mean, who knows what they would be without those guys playing them. See, to but, me, yeah. the, fir- the first thing I think of is Dangerfield. Dangerfield really? makes the movie. I mean, yes, Bill Murray, huge. And again, for the audience that's younger, I understand for, for those of you that are, let's say, under the age of, uh, which how early should we go, Jay? Under the age of 30. And you've heard about Caddyshack and you've seen the reruns on over-the-air TV or even cable TV and you've watched it uh, on the internet, etc., in this time period, Bill Murray was a big-time comic star on Saturday Night Live. And Saturday Night Live w- was at a time period in the late 70s when there weren't a lot of late-night entertainment options other than Johnny Carson's Tonight Show on NBC. So the guys that were on Saturday Night Live became stars. He, Belushi, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, on and on down the list. The females like Jane Curtin and Gilda Radner, they were all uh, well known everywhere, so Murray is a is a star for that reason, and went on to make other comedies too. Chevy Chase, yes, a comedy star. But to me, as soon as I think of Caddyshack, I think of Rodney Dangerfield. It just immediately th- that's what I think of. So I think uh, he's he's maybe not the best character, but he's the most memorable for me. As Al Ch- as Al Chervik, Einstein gave me this putter. The man made a fortune in physics. Boom, and I will I will quote that all the time when I make a long putt. Now I will say, "Made a fortune in physics." Boom to the guys I'm playing with to see who gets the joke because I'm quoting Caddyshack. Well, and it's funny. I told you, you know, you've known me a long time, so you know this, and I've mentioned it plenty of times over uh, over time on our show that I worked at a golf course when I was in college. Uh huh. And we, we referred this to this movie at least weekly, if not daily, in some cases. Anytime somebody had a really heavy golf bag and felt like it had a dead body in it, it was always Rodney's back from, you know, Caddyshack. Or, you know, if, if you're out there playing with your friends, you know, you start quoting Carl Spackler, the Cinderella story, you know, the, you know what I mean? So there's, it's just one of those, like, you don't even have to say, oh, hey, remember that oh. part in Caddyshack? You literally just start quoting, quoting it the movie. And whoever else will finish And see, it this you. is what I will be doing now after the podcast for the next five to seven days, is I will be quoting, it's easy to grin when your ship is coming and you think you've got the stock market beat. Yes, I'm trying to do a little... Ted Knight there as Judge Smales. Uh, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll walk around quoting the movie. You know who else um, talked about this at length? He didn't give a lot of interviews about this, but showing the humorous side is Tiger Woods. And Tiger would quote Caddyshack all the time, including in rounds on the PGA Tour while they're playing competitively, Jay Betzel, and for, professionally for money and for their status and for major championships. He's walking around quoting Caddyshack. It got to the point where his ex-caddy, they've now since had the falling out, they're not together anymore, Steve Williams, Stevie, as Tiger would always call him, whenever someone would bring up Caddyshack or quote a line, Stevie would roll his eyes and go, my God, I'm going to have to listen to this for another four hours, mate, or something like that to him because he knew Tiger would start quoting it back. So my point is, the greatest golfer, arguably of the modern era, loves to walk around and quote Caddyshack even while he's playing. The, the well, remember his set. American Express commercial where he was playing Carl Spackler essentially. I think I do Tiger remember had that. A little bit of had a little bit of personality, you know, because the Tiger we know was an Ice Man, you know, out there on the golf course. But the the Tiger in real life apparently has a pretty good sense of humor, and he showed it in that commercial. I think you want to ridicule me too, because since we have done the interview with Chris Nashawadi and through the magic of technology, while Jay and I are taping this, we've seen that podcast on Caddyshack. I have sent you the photo of the gopher that I made mention of, just to prove to you. 
what I was talking about to him, that it's an, it's an electric gopher that you used to push the bread button on the base of the gopher and it would play the Kenny Loggins song that we had at the beginning of the show, I'm All Right. However, I, I don't think the gopher's all right anymore. I, don't, uh, the, I haven't changed the battery in that in 15 or 20 years, probably, in the 2000s. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for the music to start playing when you teased it, and then really nothing happened. So I didn't <laughs> Are you saying, you, exactly, are you saying that I failed to deliver on the gopher? Um, failed is a strong word, but I mean, I can't describe the mad disappointment I'm going through right but now. But you like the fact that I have that piece of memorabilia, even though it doesn't work and doesn't play the song anymore, probably. Well, I have my little Jordan Spieth bobblehead that they gave out the Byron Nelson Media Day sitting over here too. So we we both have, we have our memorabilia, little, our little golf things here. And again, it's I, I said it incorrectly the first time. It's in St. Augustine, Florida, where the Bill Murray's Caddyshack, and I think they've actually have a, have a chain and have a couple more elsewhere. And I have eaten in that restaurant a couple of times where they have all the different memorabilia that you can buy. And he and the the Murray brothers actually own all of it. They own the trademark, the copyright. I used to have a Be The Ball golf shirt that had the Caddyshack logo from uh, back in the day, the T-shirt with that. So they've they've done well with with marketing all of this. Um, So, yeah, we we got off on favorite characters. What else do you want to go over about this 1980 uh, comedic success Caddyshack? Let me throw one more fun little thing. And I just mentioned Jordan Spieth. It reminded me. The past two years, so 16 and 17, at the Colonial here in Fort Worth where I live, Bill Murray was here for the Pro-Am and played with Jordan Spieth. So I, I got to meet him. I got to shake his hand. I literally got to walk inside the ropes with my little media badge and follow those two guys around while they played and watched him interact with the crowd. I watched you know women just fawn over him like he was Rob Lowe or Brad Pitt, <laughs> which was awesome. You know, And obviously, you know very well with Pro-Ams, how they're slow rounds. So he goes over and signs autographs. I mean, it was so much fun. The first year was one of those where you're like, wow, this is so cool. And then when they came out, he was coming back. You know, the crowd for the Pro-Am on Wednesday was about the same size as Thursday and Friday because everybody wanted to get a glimpse of Bill Murray. You know, of course, when he's out there, you've got the people in the crowd screaming Cinderella story and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you have other people that are just like, you know, they're, they're in awe of even being in his presence. I just want to say that was a lot of fun, you know, getting to see him out there and, and see him do his thing that we've seen so many years on and, Pebble and, Beach. And a lot of fans, right, will see him on TV. I was just going to say that on Pebble Beach, and he, and he plays in the Pro-Am in a lot of different uh, events and always known for golf. I mean, in the, uh, in the movie Lost in Translation with, um, oh, I lost her name right off the top of my head. Who's in Lost in Translation with Bill Murray? Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. It, remember, there's a scene where his actor, his actor character – Goes out to a golf course in Japan, just looking for something to do to hit a drive out on a tee box with a mountain in the background. Uh, when he's not flirting with Scarlett Johansson, that little cutaway is there. Almost, I mean, Bill Murray's going to take any chance he gets to kind of bring golf uh, into it because, as Chris Nashawati told us, uh, he and the and the Murrays grew up caddying and in stuffed shirt country clubs, the upper crusty, the establishment. You were you were the leftovers. The caddies were the leftovers, and that's kind of the. Uh, the theme of the movie, um, and, and it's interesting too. My father has actually played that golf course, which actually no longer exists. He played it past tense back in the early '90s. Uh, Rolling Hills, I believe, was the name of the actual golf course, what they called Bushwood. You could actually go and play it, um, and, and they would have different remembrances on different holes about this. For this from the movie, they'd have plaques, they'd have signs up everywhere. Because again, the Murrays were big into golf. And so this was really a humorous look at, at golf back during that time period. Let me ask you this. We've been talking Bill Murray. Do you have any other favorite Bill Murray movies that kind of stand out besides Caddyshack? I, like? I have I have an underrated one that I love, and I thought Chris Nashawati was going to bring this up. It, it is totally juvenile, totally off script, almost writing it as, the, as they were going along in the same time period, and that's the summer camp movie Meatballs. I love Bill Murray in Meatballs. Tripper. Yes, as Tripper. Uh, yes, he's great in Ghostbusters and has a lot of other movies that you enjoy him in later on. But in terms of of the Saturday night type humor, make it up as you go along. Meatballs is not a sports movie, but it's right up there as an 80s comedy with Caddyshack. Well, I've got, you know, Scrooge. What about Bob? Groundhog Day, that little run he had in the late 80s, early Mm -hmm. 90s. I love all of those. But there's a couple that I kind of want to throw out. You remember Wild Things? 
the one with Nev Campbell, yes. and Denise Richards, Matt Dillon. Yes, where he's you the know, lawyer. A lot of people forget he was in that, but he was Matt Dillon's lawyer, and he was hilarious. He's kind of like a nice little comic relief. He's basically he's basically playing a straight man in some regards, which is a different character for him, and it's kind of the same way again. Back to Lost in Translation, he's not playing goofy comic slapstick silly stuff. He's playing a more serious guy, and I think that works. Don't you? Oh, I love that. You remember Robert uh, Wagner at the end, like, see at the club. And he's like, see at the club. <laughs> he's like, he's so, he's just so funny because it's Bill Murray. Another one I really liked was the 2000 reboot of Charlie's Angels. It had Cameron Diaz, Lucy yep. Blue, and Drew Barrymore. And remember, he yep. played Bosley. Right. And so he's and, had a, he's had a bunch of different roles. And to think, uh, again, go back and search on YouTube and the internet, the old Saturday Night Live. I mean, I, I love the skit where they're, they're in like the diner, the New York diner or the Chicago style diner, and they're making the cheeseburgers. You know the ones that I'm, you know the one that I'm talking about, oh, where, yeah. where the guys doing the order and it's cheeseburger, cheeseburger, no Coke, Pepsi, and all that, and then the guys going cheeseburger, cheese. He's telling that he's telling the guy that everybody in the place has ordered a cheeseburger, and he goes cheeseburger, 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 and Bill Murray's cooking all the cheeseburgers. You watch that comedy from Saturday Night Live or the stuff that he did on Second City on stage or Second City TV. He later morphed into an actor in Stripes, in Meatballs, in Caddyshack, these kind of movies were the transition for Bill Murray in the in the film career. So I love it. What about you you mentioned Rodney was your favorite character. Other than Back to School and maybe Natural Born Killers, is there any other Rodney movies you like? I don't you know, I don't know what else of Dangerfields can compare with Caddyshack. I mean he was in the what was it, the soccer movie Ladybugs, but that I don't know. Yeah, that one never, and you know never Ladybugs registers. was just it wasn't, wasn't a big back hit to, and remember look, the, back um, to school though was good i had uh, had very funny about him going back to college as the businessman excellent premise so i like that one but do you remember how he made his money in that tall and fat right with the uh pleasantly plump the oversized uh men's stores yes but he he had um polly from rocky was his uh, bodyguard slash chauffeur i mean that that was a funny movie but i'm i'm with you i mean back to school is funny where he played thornton mellon but he is known for Caddyshack to me. Yeah, to me uh, as well. All right, what else do we need to cover here? I know you always love to go big, not only into uh, what the movie did at the box office, but what were people saying at the time? Here I've got uh, Roger Ebert, the late, great Chicago Sun-Times critic, and he gave it two and a half stars. Ooh. Yeah, he wasn't wasn't real big on it. said uh, Caddyshack never finds a consistent comic note of its own. That's kind of the way it starts out. And then it says, but he, he agrees with you, actually. He says, to the degree that this is anybody's movie, it belongs to Rodney Dangerfield. And he seems to be using a lot of his own material where he plays a loud, vulgar, twitching condo developer who is thinking of buying the country club and using the land for housing. <laughs> so well, that's, that's kind of his little take. He, he sounds like he was kind of indifferent on Caddyshack. And keep in mind, there were a lot of other different raunchy comedies to compare it to. And if you're not a golfer, and, and, we, and look, full disclosure, I live at a golf course. Uh, here in the Tampa Bay area. I'm big into golf, so are you. So if you're not into golf, I can see where that part of it didn't work for you. But if you are into golf, and especially have been around country clubs, this this movie just takes a blowtorch to that country club, figuratively. And hey, how about literally at the end, where where everything blows up? I, I will I will say this though, with the critics of the movie, I can understand where it doesn't work for you if you're not into sports and if you're not into golf. Not as much as those of us that are and that do play golf. Well, have you seen? You, know, you mentioned you lived on a golf course there in Tampa Bay. Do you um, see any people when you're out there that remind you of any of the characters in the movie? Not usually. Now, I do play uh, on occasion. I get the chance to go play at the, as I like to say, this tough shirt, upper crusty country club that has a caddy. And I immediately, whenever I pull up there, start thinking about lines from uh, from Caddyshack, uh, you know, and the na 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 and all that stuff and the, the stuff be that the Ty ball. Webb is doing and the be the ball <laughs> and, uh, you know, give me that before you hurt yourself. Give me that golf club and uh, what do you got in here? Rocks and, you know. The whole the whole uh, thing that caddies would have to go through. What happened, Tony? Did they die on you? You know the 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 Havishamps or whatever the Havicamps, the names of the old people that he's caddying for in the movie. So yes, it, it it does work. And and look, I've I've talked to people that caddied that are around my age, et cetera, and caddied, and they tell all kinds of stories about the crazy things that would go on at these country clubs. It's just that these the writers and the filmmakers, Brian Doyle, Murray, and Doug Kenny and Harold Ramis, they brought it to life. 
um, on film. By the way, one more update. I'm looking here online that the Murrays did open a fleet of the Caddyshack-themed restaurants, including in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, in Orlando, and in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. However, all of those closed. The one at the World Golf Village near St. Augustine, Florida, still remains open, the Caddyshack-themed restaurants. So, Actually, well, you know, we, actually, you know what? How, we whoa, whoa, we got but, breaking news. Yeah. I just saw this on another blurb. The Murrays have opened another Caddyshack restaurant in Rosemont, Illinois, at the time that we are taping this in April of 2018. Maybe, hey. coin, maybe coinciding with Chris Nashawati's book coming out, and there's a 40th anniversary of the movie that's going to be due out soon. So we're gonna. I'm breaking news to you. I just found it out for myself. Maybe we've got to check out the Caddyshack restaurant that is in Rosemont, Illinois now, because the Murrays just opened it in April of 2018 at the time that we're doing this movie podcast, and around the same time. That might be worth a road trip. Rosemont's right by Chicago, right? That is correct. Northern suburb where the Murrays are from. That's where DePaul. Uh, university plays all their basketball games uh, out north near the north That's side right, with the Wrigley Rosemont Field. Horizon. That's that correct, correct, and the Wrigley Field and all of that. So, how about that? So, and again, they own all the memorabilia. When you go online and search Caddyshack and search any of the memorabilia anywhere, any of the officially licensed stuff, anything having to do with the Gopher, etc., that's all the Murray brothers still from the movie. Well, and I know we talked about this while we had uh, Mr. Nashawati on, but I would love to just at least get your thoughts on Caddyshack too. Horrific. Should have never been made. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the simplest and quickest way that I can dismiss that we, I mean, how and why, and the fact that Chevy Chase would even take part in it, I guess Chevy needed to check that bad. Um, Jackie Mason, awful, awful, all the way around, should never have been done. Can I be any more I mean, blunt? Dan Aykroyd's character was terrible. It's you know, awful. Probably the only decent characters in the movie per se would be Jonathan Silverman and Diane Cannon, just because they're they're not you know obnoxious. Randy Quaid's character's terrible. <laughs> Robert Stack. I mean, it's really crazy because there's a lot of effort apparently was put into this with the amount of stars and stuff they had in it. But I can't think of one thing I liked about it. It's terrible. You know, in fact, I take that back. There's one thing that when I hear Caddyshack Two will make me smile is back in the good old days before Golf Channel had the PGA Tour coverage. Remember ESPN used to do Thursday, Friday golf? That's right. And they had a really good, really funny commercial that they actually filmed here in Fort Worth at Colonial. And it was, um, they're like, you know, what's the best movie ever about golf? Like, oh, Caddyshack. What's the best movie about caddies? Caddyshack. You know, went, went through that, you know, what's the best movie about this? Caddyshack. You know, and then they would show, you know, um, this week's tournament, the Players' Championship, whatever. And then they'd come back, well, what's the worst movie ever about golf? And all in unison would say Caddyshack, Caddyshack too. too. Exactly. And so that's that's probably the only time that Caddyshack 2 will bring a smile to my face thinking about that commercial. The only reason why you brought it up is you want to reminisce about China Phillips, the singer who's a, who made an acting, I think, debut in that movie as like the daughter. She's miffy. Right. And she's <laughs> yeah. she was hot in the movie. But other than that, no redeeming value whatsoever. And she's no Cindy Morgan from uh, from Caddyshack. She's not even Michelle Pfeiffer either. Or Michelle Pfeiffer on any of those. All right, so what else do we need to go over here and cover? Because I think we've given it a thorough once-over. We enjoy the, the film. I drive my wife crazy because anytime it's on, it's not on as much anymore on over-the-air TV where it's very much sanitized. Yeah, like Rodney Dangerfield at the very end. Hey, everybody, let's go take a shower. Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense at the very end. Uh, Thought he said, we're all going to get laid. Yeah, yeah, he did in the original. <laughs> but in the in the over-the-air version, it's, hey, everybody, let's go take a shower. But in watching even the over-the-air ones, uh, I have to quote the movie and I drive her crazy. So we know that we are big fans about it. Anything else that we didn't cover that we need to cover? One funny thing I will say is, um, you know, we talk about, I talked about quoting a lot at my old job. There was a guy that was a member for a little while that will shall remain not, na- will still remain nameless, we'll say. I don't want to embarrass him. But um, he would try and talk to a lot of us and try and act kind of big time. And he would often have tickets to games that he would kind of tease us with and would never really come through. In a way, so kind of if I can interject, about him in, in a, in a way, Smales. he's kind of like Judge Smales. Exactly. Yeah, he's, the joke yes. became, you know, hey, what are you doing this weekend? How'd you like to mow my lawn? That was <laughs> that, was that guy. So, so anyways, just there's, there's so much fun that I've had from this movie, you know, outside of watching it because – it's a part of me and my friends hey, and our, you know, stuff. At for, least you know, gambling's illegal at Bushwood. You know, there's besides, so besides, I never yeah, slice. So. Uh, exactly. or, or that hat looks good on you. Or, uh, Danny, I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it. Felt I 
owed it to owed them. Owed it to them. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, Judge Smales makes the movie too from the late Ted Knight. And speaking of which, they were talking about uh, Chris Nashawati was talking about this, uh, and they talk in the DVD extras about pulling pranks. They could not wait. Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, everybody involved to pull pl- pranks on Ted Knight, including when they had a great mystery as to who took, how shall we say, relief golf term in Ted Knight's trailer and left deposits behind. Am I being family enough and cryptic enough? Uh, sure. Who who went ahead? Oh, I'll just say it. It took a dump in Ted Knight's trailer. And at the end of the DVD extras, Chevy Chase owns up to the fact that he's the one that left that behind for Ted Knight to smell and find. Just because that's, that's what they were doing at Caddyshack. That kind of sums up the movie, doesn't it? Well, yeah. One, I'll leave one last Ted Knight thing that was said quite often was, you know, when I worked at the golf course, we obviously worked on tips. And we had a couple people that were real demanding and rather cheap. And so whenever they would walk away, we, one of us would look at the other one and say, you'll get nothing and like it. Exactly. So that's that's our, our fun Caddyshack reminiscing from we, my We do that. I have 10-year-old twins now at the time that we're taping this, and we will often quote that to them when they're going, I want this, I want that. My wife might even break out the, you'll get nothing and like it. And at least I can laugh because I know what she's talking about. The twins have no clue. And they may not uh, be allowed to watch Caddyshack until they're at least 30 or maybe 40. Uh, somewhere down the road because I'm a protecting father. Uh, we had a lot of fun on this uh, with this Caddyshack. This was good. I can't believe it took us this long to get to it. Again, we uh, we we got to it in due time, and it, and we can't emphasize enough. Let's plug the book again. Uh, Chris Nashawati's book that is out right now. You've already got the copy of the book, and you've already read the book. So I'm profoundly jealous of you on that one, and you're encouraging the fans to go get the book as well, The Making of Caddyshack. Okay, yeah, it's called Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story by Chris Nashawati, and you can find it at Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. And follow Chris on social media on Twitter, at Chris Nashawati. Read him at Entertainment Weekly, entertainmentweekly.com, in the magazine, reviewing movies. We can't thank him enough. I know he's probably going to hear a little bit about this or hear some of the show at some point. Thank you, Chris. We can't thank him enough for hopping on the show to talk about his new book and to talk about the movie, right, Jay? Yeah, maybe we can lucky enough and have him on again sometime. Could be very well, could be possible. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I I think I may have to, I'm all right here. I think I may have to go back. Uh, Although we're going out with a little journey here on the show, this is also in the movie. We're going to leave with a little journey that is part of of the soundtrack of Caddyshack. That was uh, that was released in 1980 and actually did pretty well. Kenny Loggins on that soundtrack, etc. The, sa- the soundtrack actually did pretty well back in the day, uh, and we had a lot of fun talking Caddyshack. Famous Jay, I enjoyed it, sir. Thanks, TJ. Talk to y'all soon. Keep up with this show at We've Seen That on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram, and we'll come back with another edition soon of our Digital Movies Podcast. Uh, because, again, we're all about the 80s, the 90s, and more. It's We've Seen That. For Jay Betzel, I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks also to Chris Nashawati of Entertainment Weekly talking Caddyshack with us. Bye.